Hello and welcome to the AMA Update video and podcast series. Today we're talking about surgical care for senior patients and how it can be improved to lead to better outcomes. I'm joined by Dr. Rochelle E. Bernacki, a geriatrician at Brigham and Women's Hospital and co-director of its Center for Geriatric Surgery in Boston. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer in Chicago. Welcome, Dr. Bernacki. It's great to have you today. Thanks so much, Todd. It's great to be here. And I used to live in Chicago, so it's nice to see that backdrop there. Yeah, you can see the real thing right behind me. Dr. Bernacki, when it comes to surgery, of course, there's always some level of risk, but that risk is often higher for senior patients. Let's just talk a little bit about how much more likely uh, they are to experience complications from surgery. Sure. So when you're older, you are at more risk for complications, uh, including infections, bleeding, those types of things, as well as needing more assistance afterwards. So potentially needing like to go to a skilled nursing facility or a nursing home. There was also a really great study recently by Tom Gill that was published in JAMA Surgery that looked at community dwelling older adults over 65, and it looked at mortality rates. And they saw that uh, one in seven had died within a year from any elective surgery. It was much higher for emergency surgery. So about one in three patients died uh, when they had emergency surgery. It's also more risky if you're frail, and we'll talk more about that, Um, but one in four patients died if they were frail, and if they had dementia, one in three. So as you can see, um, there there is a quite a considerable risk, and I also do palliative care, so it's helpful um, in in helping patients and families with those those risks. I, I find those those are really surprising numbers. Yeah. Um, so yeah. obviously a huge area of concern, and kind of speaking to something you just brought up, at your health system you conduct what you call a frailty screening on senior Correct. patients who are candidates for right. surgery. Tell us more about that particular practice. Yeah, so we use John Morley's FRAIL scale, and I like it because it's an acronym and it's really easy to remember. So the F is for fatigue. So if the patient is fatigued, like they take a nap all, you know, every day that I might uh, consider them as a positive point. The R is for resistance. So can they walk up a flight of stairs? The A is for ambulation. Can they walk a block? The I is for illness. Do they have more than five illnesses? And the L is for weight loss. So we ask all our patients those five questions. Um, and if they screen positive on more than two or three, then they get a full frailty assessment. So we were able to teach our uh, surgical residents to do that screening um, in, in the trauma uh, center or in the emergency room. And then we have a geriatrician that sees those patients. We've also now built it into our preoperative screening for elective surgeries. and. And so then if those patients screen positive, then they see a geriatrician and we do a full frailty assessment um, in, in the uh, preoperative center. What do you, if, let's say that you do that particular process and there are scores across a number of different dimensions, what are you gonna do differently? Yeah, great question. So there's something called prehabilitation, which is important. Um, so, so we, and those center on things that we should be doing under, 
anyways, like exercise and nutrition. So, so people should be getting some exercise every day. And for older adults, really walking is probably the easiest thing. And so if you're already walking, just walking more is, is better. And then, and for nutrition, of course, we want you to eat whole foods. Um, if you have trouble, um, chewing or swallowing, you know, that some of the supplements are good, but but particularly for surgery, protein is important. So fishes, um, chicken, things like that. So those are the important things uh, preoperatively. The other things that I look for are um, any sort of medications that might put them at risk. Um, like the common ones are benzodiazepines or Ativan or Valium. Those are medicines that cause people to fall when you're older and as well as have confusion. So I try to taper those medicines off and sleeping pills as well. I love um, the term prehabilitation. I have not heard yeah. that before. <laughs> yeah. yeah, prehab is the sort of short. And then the, the last thing I'd say is, um, you know, I think surgery can be a really uh, anxiety provoking experience. So trying to control your mind as much as possible. So doing things like uh, meditating or uh, there's an app that I sometimes recommend called Headspace. So just trying to feel calm and relaxed prior to the surgery. So those are the things that I think are the most important. The other one that I think sometimes um, you know, surprises me is I, I always ask about alcohol use. And sometimes when you're older, you know, you, you can't metabolize alcohol as well. So even if you only have a couple drinks for a young, for an older woman, it's important that um, you sort of cut back on that, um, as those also can make you at more risk for confusion or delirium following the surgery. Well, those are great uh, uh, practices in the prehab arena that you're yeah. talking about. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's go to the other end of this and talk about post-op. What are sure. some of the best practices that you've implemented at your system uh, around that part of the recovery process? So the best practices around post-op recovery are about preventing delirium or confusion. Confusion, And I think that um, that can be really frightening for, for um, loved ones, family to see their, uh, you know, mom, dad, whatnot, having confusion and not knowing where they are. And we know we can prevent it. And the ways that we prevent it are to do things that are normal, like get out of bed to eat, to walk, we try to walk our patients three to five times a day. Um, we also try to let them sleep, which is sort of a interesting concept in the hospital because we often wake people up, but we have a protocol and it's called the STEP pathway. It's superior surgical treatment for elders pathway. And when we are on that protocol, we don't wake them up at night. We also give them melatonin to let them sleep. Medicine doesn't stand still and neither do we. AMA members don't just keep up with medicine, they shape its future. Help move medicine, join the movement. Visit ama-assn.org slash movingmedicine. Um, the other things that are important are ensuring that they're not in pain. So we give scheduled Tylenol four to five times a day. And we also give uh, low-dose opioids. Um, and we have a sort of mantra in geriatrics, which is start low and go slow. Um, so we, we give low doses of pain medicines. The other thing that can happen when you when you take pain medications is that you can get constipation, constipated. And so we really keep an eye on that and we start follow regimens very early. And so that's incredibly important. You know, uh, in the materials before I, I saw a term you used, geriatricizing 
yes. the environment. <laughs> it is kind of interesting. I mean, I think yeah. parents are obviously familiar on the younger end with making sure the home is safe for young children. But on that other end, you, you talk about the need to make sure the environment is working for these, these patients as well. Yeah, I think simple things like having a whiteboard with a date, what the goals of the day are, you know, what where they are. So we do a lot of frequent reorientation, which again, prevents people from being confused. Um, having access to natural sunlight is really important and then non-slip floors. So all of those things kind of contribute to older adults being able to have a more normal experience following surgery and also, you know, leave the hospital as fast as possible. And th those, the kind of mental health uh, aspects that you're pointing out here, um, yeah. apart from like the physical recovery from surgery, yeah. which is very, you know, probably very difficult uh, for seniors at some point, what about symptoms of post-operative depression? Is that something that you see more frequently in seniors? Yeah, so for people over 65, 15 to 50% can have depression following surgery. And we know the best numbers from um, coronary artery bypass where 30 to 40% of those patients experience depression. And that actually just recently happened to a friend of mine's father. And I think the important things are about that are to know and look for it so that you recognize it early because we have really good treatments for it. We have medications that are effective and safe. And so it's important that we, you know, get the people on those medications so that they can be on the road to recovery. Is that, I mean, those numbers seem really high to me. What, yeah. what multiple of someone who's not a senior are we talking about? Because that's approaching half. Yes, yes. And the, like I said, the estimates vary between 15 and 50%. So, um, you know, the best studies are in bypass, bariatric surgery, and then spine surgery. And we know that patients that have revision surgeries are at higher risk. Mm -hmm. Now we know that uh, one thing that complicates patients' care for all ages uh, yeah. is prior authorization. And yeah. uh, this is something we're hard at work on at the AMA yeah. as our recovery plan for America's physicians. Uh, yeah. Talk to us a little bit about how prior authorization complicates surgical care for your particular practice. So I work mostly inpatient and I am extremely careful not to put patients on medications that I won't be able to get a, you know, a prior authorization to. Or if I do put them on those medications, then I make sure that our pharmacist, and I'm very blessed working at the Brigham, that we have a team that can work on those prior to them going home. But you know, particular medicines like say, uh, pregabalin or Lyrica or say Oxycontin, uh, which are pain medications, are often need prior authorizations. And uh, we have a whole team that actually works on that. And when you think about it, there's so many other things that I'd rather have my team working on than that. So Absolutely. I, I applaud the efforts. In <laughs> um, speaking of our recovery plan, one of the other key pillars is about supporting telehealth. Yeah. Uh, it's got obviously a lot of potential to improve care for senior patients, especially after surgery. Uh, how have you uh, implemented or used telehealth maybe differently than before the pandemic for, for your patients? I see uh, most of my patients preoperatively on, on Zoom. Um, 
And I think patients, I really like it because I can see them in their home environment. And it's also often easier for their caregiver. So whether that's a spouse or a child, I, I, it makes it easier for them and more feasible. Um, one of the things that's challenging about it is it often does for older adults need like a daughter to come and sort of set up the Zoom. You know, some of my very uh, spry patients can do it themselves, but not everyone can. I think the other thing that's challenging is for patients that are out of state, um, they often have to come in because of the billing rules. And I think that's really unfair because oftentimes it's hours and, you know, taking a day off work, et cetera. But Overall, I'd love to see uh, telehealth continue to work for us and even expand over time. Dr. Bernacki, May also happens to be Senior Physicians Recognition yeah. Month. And with physicians of all ages leaving yeah. medicine in greater numbers, it's more important than ever to recognize those that are still practicing after all these years. What unique perspective would you say that senior physicians bring to caring for senior patients? So first, I'd like to say for those that are practicing, thank you, because, you know, we've been very busy uh, since the pandemic, and, and I really appreciate them continuing to work. But I think they bring, you know, they're in it themselves. They have their, their family, friends, you know, also experiencing surgeries and the anxiety surrounding that. And I think they really bring empathy. Uh, in a different way. And I'm, I'm getting there myself eventually. So, um, you know, my colleague, Dr. Cooper and I continue to work on the systems at our hospital because we want to get the best care for ourselves one day and to be able to retire eventually. <laughs> that, sounds, uh, that sounds terrific and good planning ahead. Dr. Bernacki, what a pleasure to talk to you today. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, that's it for today's update. We'll be back soon with another episode. In the meantime, if you'd like to learn more about AMA's recovery plan for America's physicians, please visit our website, ama-assn.org slash recovery. Uh, we'll be back soon. In the meantime, uh, thanks for tuning in, and uh, please take care.